this morning. I want you, if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. There's lots of things running through my mind at the moment. So how it comes out, not quite sure. Um, but that's okay. Because God will have his way. So, there's the, I'm going to give you a scripture now. And everything that I'm talking about this morning is, came out of the inspiration of this scripture. So I'm going to go a few different places. But this, this is the, essentially the scripture that ties everything together. And in 1 Peter chapter 4... Verse 10 and 11, it says the following. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The scripture has been burning inside of me for the last few weeks. We've been, obviously, as many of you all know, we've been talking about standard bearing with our young people and armor bearing. And this scripture epitomizes... So much of what our Christian walk should be. That in in whatever we have received that we use to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in various forms. I love the fact that it says various forms. Because what it shows is is that it, 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 it makes room for all our individuality. It makes room for all our different gifts and talents. It makes room for all our different personalities. It makes room for all our different natures and characters. Yeah? So it's not saying, for, for those of you who are gifted and talented, you should do it. It says, for all of us, that whatever you are given, whatever measure you are given, for each of us has been given a measure. Each of us has been given a portion. So whatever that portion is, whatever that measure is, we have a responsibility as a steward of God's grace that's been given to us to use it faithfully to use it well, and to serve others. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. That's a resp- that carries a responsibility. That as I speak, I am not just a speak, it's not just Paul talking, it's not just Nisa talking, but it's the, it's the very words of God that are talking. It's not me that's talking. It's not that because that's all. Because if it's all about me, it's all about my, me and, and my strength and what I can do and my talent. But it's the grace given to me as I speak it and do it. I do it, and, and, and I also he says here that whatever I do, do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, in how, in what things, all things, that God may be praised. Through Jesus Christ. So Christ has to be seen in your life in order for the God to then be praised. Because how is Christ seen? He's seen through you and I. And then out of that, God is therefore praised. And so I, I, I saw this and I, and I just thought, right, God, I don't know how I'm supposed to deliver that, but show me a way. And so this is what I always liked. Whenever a scripture captures me, 
And Pastor Tony spoke about it, Phil spoke about it many, many times. It's good to read the scriptures around the one scripture. So you understand the context, you understand what's going on at the time. Yeah? So you don't take something out of context, because there's so many times that you hear preachers, they can take a word and they can make it sound whatever they want it to sound. But we have to be honorable to that which the word is saying. Yeah? But listen, I got this and... It's a, if you turn or, or just look further back at the beginning of um, 1 Peter chapter 4, it says this. And keep in mind, Pastor Tony's been talking about, we well, spoke about the fact that we have six months to change. We have six months in which that if we don't make a specific shift, and God will judge whether what that shift is, and God will judge. What, how, what that shift needs to look like. But that a shift has to take place in order that we don't delay the destiny on the house for a decade. And that's a sobering thought. But this scripture then kind of just kind of slapped me between the eyes a little bit. And it says this. And I'm going to read, first, I'm going to read you two versions. I'm going to read the NIV version, but then I'm going to read the Amplified version. Okay? Same scripture, but I'm going to read the two. So it says in, in 1 Peter 4, 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. But then... Let's look at the Amplified version. And I love it. I always think it's good to look at different versions because sometimes, especially the Amplified, it gives you a little bit more. So, since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, arm yourselves with the same thought and purpose. Patiently to suffer rather than fail to please God. For whoever has suffered in the flesh... Having the mind of Christ is done with intentional sin. He has stopped pleasing himself and the world and pleases God. So that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living by his human appetites and desires, but he lives for what God wills. When you read that in in, in the fullness it makes some rather strong statements. Now, I know that there is a difference between sacrifice and suffering. But Jesus, I'm going to make a few points about suffering. Jesus suffered in his flesh. Jesus suffered in his flesh. He came to earth. His spirit was given a body and the body was used to do the will of God. He didn't, it's not that he didn't take care of his body, but his body, it's, it's just a temporary vessel to do what I need to do. But this is what, but this is what, so the first point is this, those who are willing to suffer in their flesh, rather than fail to please God, show they have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. 
One of the things that I find that we find in the church, I'm not just talking about you guys, I'm talking about in general, is that we're happy to serve to a degree, but we're not willing to suffer. Some people call suffering for Christ staying an extra half an hour if the meeting goes on a bit longer. Some people think it's suffering to give up their Sunday morning and their Sunday evening to come to church twice. Some people think it's suffering if they have to come out in the week. Some people think it's suffering if they have to give a tithe. There's a level that, we, that is perceived in the church as acceptable level of suffering. But then when we mark it to Jesus, slightly different. But it says that those who are willing to suffer in their flesh, and the scripture says patiently to suffer, rather than fail to please God. So there is, not just is this person willing to suffer, but they're willing to be patient. That means the suffering might take a little bit longer. That there is a sense that, I, so I would rather be in this position right now, where it's hard, and I don't like it, but I know it's what I'm supposed to be doing, and what I'm supposed to be doing, because I'd rather please God. I'm more afraid of failing God than I am of not suffering. It's a very specific mindset. The next point, those who are willing to suffer in their flesh are those taking on the mind of Christ, taking on the same thoughts and purpose. See, it's not just an attitude you know, we can have a good attitude to, towards a lot of things. But, this, but, this, but what, what we're talking about here is that when we, when we are willing to suffer in the flesh, it's not needless suffering. And I'm going to make this very clear because I think sometimes when you speak about this thing, it can almost like, almost like I'm encouraging us all to suffer. Go out. If you're not suffering, you're not a true Christian. That's not what I'm saying. God doesn't want us to suffer But we're foolish if we think that we can live for Christ totally and there not be some suffering. We're we're naive if that's what we think. And if someone has told you, preach the gospel of you'll never need to suffer if you you follow God, then you were given their incorrect gospel. And unfortunately, you're going to get a rude awakening this morning. Because to suffer is part and parcel. Because if we are to follow the life of Christ... Therefore, there are afflictions and sufferings that will take place. But it's not needless suffering. It's suffering for a purpose. It's suffering for specific thoughts. Christ had one thought, one main thought. I will do the will of my Father. He had a purpose. My purpose on earth is not to spend my life dwelling in the world, but it's to do the will of my Father. And that meant, there was an element of suffering because he stood for one thing and one thing only. He stood to do one thing and nothing was going to stop him from doing that, from serving that purpose. As Christians so often, our thoughts and our purposes get very muddled up with the rest of life. My thoughts right now for the last year have been very much on this semi-detached house with bricks and mortar yeah 
and it's consumed my thoughts. Oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, I'm not suffering for Jesus. It's just the fact that I've had a bunch of rubbish tradespeople and I've had a difficult transition. I'm not suffering for Christ in that way, but my thought, and here's the thing, my thought can be very much, my thought and attitude can become so much about this house that the very purpose of me moving to the house gets completely lost. See, right now, in my house, okay, right now in my house, there's lots of things not finished. Our stuff is in, by the way. We moved our stuff yesterday. Our stuff is now physically in the house. It might be in boxes, but it's in the house. We might have lots of areas that need doing. And my thoughts can go to, well, I want a fireplace and I need my roof doing, I need my guttering doing, and then I need some damp work doing, and I need, um, uh, I need, well, I need some more curtains, and I need, I need new carpet, I need some flooring, um, I need my back garden landscape. I, I, the list could go on. And my thoughts and my purpose and my suffering and my energy is all about me. It's all about, I perceive it to be Oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, I'm not suffering for Jesus. But if I, I'm just suffering, yeah. But if I allow my thoughts and my purpose to move away from Christ, so I no longer have the mind of Christ, then what I do gets muddled up with, the, with, the, with what God is asking me to do. And I must be very clear what God is asking me to do and what he's not asking me to do. And what pressure and what, how I consume my life and how I don't consume my life. Because otherwise, this house could consume my life. Oh, it's all in the name of Jesus. No, God told us to move into this house so we could move on to the next phase of his will. Not so we could spend the next 20 years putting every penny I have to make this house perfect. Does that make sense? But the attitude, so I've, I've got, yeah, you can have a good attitude about, about, about it. But it, if it, my thoughts and my purpose are to do this house, then everything, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point. Those who are willing to suffer in their flesh are finished with intentional sin. You see, when you're not, the body wants what the body wants. The soul wants what the soul wants. And there's many times that you know this isn't quite right. I shouldn't really be doing this. But when we give into our flesh, and go, well, I'll do it anyway. That's intentional sin. We know it's not right, and we know it's not good, but we do it anyway. And we have to say the measure that God is looking for is someone who has the mind of Christ. Now, we all know unintentional sin can happen. If you're not aware something is sinful, then you can't be blamed for it until someone lets you know that what you're doing isn't right. But there are many areas and we are quite a, you know, for example, we all know right now, no one here can say that if, if we called the way you, health, we said health was either a sin or not a sin, right? Bad health was a sin, good health isn't. Let's just assume that was on that. No one can say, well, I don't know about health. Health is just everywhere. Go on the internet and there's about a million, two, 10 million websites that will tell you all about health, how to eat well, how to exercise well, how to live well. Would we agree on that? So we can't be ignorant to what's good and bad for us. But not everything's so clear. But this is talking about intentional sin. God is looking for someone who says, in my body, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but I will keep my flesh from intentionally 
sinning. And that, sometimes, and that means denying yourself. So many times that we want to follow God, but, when, but, then you, but then you walk out of church and you refuse to deny your flesh. It's the same as being, I'm going to lose weight, but I'm going to intentionally eat that cheesecake. It, it, it's exactly no, no different. It's the same thing. I'm going to save money, but I'm going to buy that hi-fi system because I've always wanted one. It's, it's, we, know it, we know we shouldn't be doing it, but we do it anyway. And we have to become a people that are willing to suffer a little bit in order to keep our vessels righteous and pure. The more and more I've been doing, I mean, right now, purity is a big thing in, me, in M and I right now because we're doing a prepared impurity course with our young people. So everything is coming. And, um, and you're seeing more and more and more how in every area the world is contaminating the purity of us. That what God created for a pure purpose is constantly trying to be, to be changed and corrupted by the enemy. And Christ is saying, it's, it will cause you, you will have to suffer to remain pure to a degree. Your flesh has to suffer. Jesus went through a lot of different temptations. 40 days and 40 nights in, in the desert. His body was suffering and then he got tempted. That's, that's a level of suffering that you and I don't know. But we can't refuse a cheesecake. I was, I was guilty last night. I was at a party and there was a burger and chips and I said, can I have the nuggets as well? So he put the nuggets on. And then, do you know what? And my first question was this. How long is it before it's not rude to go for seconds? Because <laughs> there was a hot dog also there that I thought, I can't have the three in one. But I waited. <laughs> and I went back for my second my hot dog. Now that's my, that's me, not, that's my intentional sin, that. <laughs> I've got to work on that. But, but the scripture is showing that these are all, when you build this picture up, when you analyze your life, what kind of vessel am I, is measuring up to that of Jesus Christ? The next one. Those who are willing to suffer in their flesh have stopped pleasing themselves and the world, but desire to please God. One of the things that I've, I've began to see at times in myself, and something I've had to arrest in myself, is that sometimes, as I, there's, there's this thing, this thing, there's this thing called the modern Christian, isn't there? It's like this Christian who's a Christian, but he's relatable and he's cool and they're nice and, and they're modern and we're not like the old people who sit in, the, in the, the church and judge everyone and that kind of, you know, there's that old mentality, isn't there? The old Christian, or oh, they're just old. It's like your grandparents kind of Christian, yeah? They just, they do things the old way. No, we're modern Christians. We have red chairs, not pews. We have a drum kit. You know, it's kind of like, I'm a modern Christian. And, but when we take that desire to be a modern, relevant Christian, what we end up by doing is compromising who we are to please our friends and our, our work colleagues. And we end up by pleasing the world. Because we're trying to stay relevant. We're trying to st- we're trying to, we want to be a Christian. So Christians are peaceful and loving people. We don't, we don't have conflict. But did Jesus ever shy away from conflict? No, he didn't. But we 
wonder why we seem to be powerless to do things in our workplaces when actually we spend all our time pleasing the world. What the world thinks is okay, we don't take our stance on it. That's why most of the church, so many of the church is very silent on the issue of homosexuality. Oh, we don't want to offend anybody, even if it means we corrupt ourselves and what we, what we stand for. And there's so many elements that when we look at our lives, if we spend our, our days living to keep everybody happy, because we don't want to be rejected, we don't want to look like we're being awkward, well, that's called not suffering. Because you're doing what you need to do to keep your life easy. But if we want to change the things that the world is bring, tries to put into our lives, if we want to remove the corruption of the enemy into, into all the domains of life, we can't go around pleasing everybody. Otherwise, we just end up like everybody else. And there has to be a, 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 a sense that I've got to be willing to suffer for what I believe. I've got to be willing to take some flack, and we'll see you in a minute. Those who are willing to suffer in their flesh can no longer live by human appetites and desires. There's a point in your life when the purposes of God start to fill you, when the attitudes and the mind of Christ begins to take hold of you, that you can't. It's not that you just choose not to, but you can't inside of you allow the human appetite to take over your life. Because you're so consumed by the things of God, you're consumed by what you know is true and what is right, that you, you just go, there's something in me that just says, I can't accept that. Yeah. I can no longer allow myself to do it. I was, I was um, I can't believe who was telling me, somebody was telling me that there was a Christian that they knew and he'd done really well in business, he'd done really well in lots of other things and he loves fast cars and there's nothing wrong with liking fast cars and it was one of those things. And the car I'd always wanted was, quite understandably, um, an Aston Martin DB9. Quite understandably. And he went and got one. And he saw and knew it wasn't quite right. Because, like, is this what I should be doing? Is this reflective of what I should be like? But he bought it anyway. And he had it for six months, and he, he absolutely hated it. Because he knew, this is all about my flesh. This is £100,000 on something I don't need, and it's not even really a part of the, character, the person that Christ is making me to be. I just want it because I want it. Now, God's not saying you can't have nice things, but there's, there's something inside you that has to resonate that goes, this is not God. This is all flesh. And there's something that even when you choose to make that decision, that churning in your spirit going, this is not going to sit right. And what happens is, you actually begin to suffer because you can't enjoy it. Because you know it's all flesh and not spirit. And there has to come a point where we desire the, 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 the ways of God so that, when we, that we know when we're living out of the flesh. And there comes a point where it goes, I can't enjoy that anymore. Because there's just something about it that says it's not right. And we have to be people that are willing, 
if we are people who are willing to suffer in our flesh, we are willing to suffer and deny ourselves to the point where all I want to do is please God. All I want to do is live in such a way that represents him well that any other way becomes a contaminant and becomes foreign. It's like when you eat something and you know you're going to yak it up because it just ain't sat right with you. That essentially is how we have to begin to, our lives have to begin to moderate the things and the patterns that we live. And there's a level of suffering involved. And those who are willing to suffer in their flesh live to do the will of God. Christ had a purpose and a thought. Everything was surrounded and based around what God had given him to do. But it's so easy if you're pleasing everyone else in the world, you're working hard for what reason? Am I working hard now to basically do my house up or am I working hard to have a house that will do, that is a good home, but it's there in order for the purposes of God to be filled in my life? That means I have to suffer looking at wood chip for a bit longer. That means I have to suffer looking at a concrete floor in my kitchen. That means I have to suffer many things when I look at my house. But you know what? That is a gift of God. But the real joy is that when, 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 when I'm able to minister in that house and the, and the Holy Spirit is able to descend in that house and lives begin to be changed in that house. And that my neighbours begin to be affected because I am now strategically positioned in that house. That's why I'm there. That's why I'm there. I'm not there for any other reason. I'm not there because, you know, God blessed me with a nice area. It's a nice road. It's nice. I like it. It's great. So I didn't have to suffer for everything. I'm not living in, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not living in Shotgun Valley. But it's, it's, it's a case of, but some of us, so much of church is about comfortable. So much of church is about, we want everything to be easy and nice and pleasant. But if we want to affect the world, it cannot be like that all the time. And we have to be willing. If we're saying, let's go out and do great exploits. Let's go out and, and stand for things. You're going to suffer. And it's not just you, it's your flesh. What did Jesus do? Jesus had people trying to stone him. Jesus had people that were insulting him. Jesus had people who were trying to tempt him. Jesus had people who were trying to kill him. Jesus had people who used to, who, who he would who not just that, what was the time when Jesus was, was healing people after people and the children came to him and he was knackered. He was absolutely shattered. His body was broken because he'd been there for 10 hours healing and healing and healing and serving and speaking and teaching. But what did he say? His disciples were like, no, 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 get away, get away, get away. He's tired. He went, whoa, 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 come here. Come here, come to me. I will not turn the children. Why? Because my father would never turn those children away. But when we're tired, when our bodies are... I mean, I've had to learn this recently, that God's been keeping me up until silly hours in the morning. Start praying late. You ain't going to bed yet. Oh, I'm tired. I've got to be up and work in the morning. Well, you should have started praying earlier. It's, it's my body. I've had to learn a little bit of suffering. But it's good for me. Because what's more important? Feeling tired the next day or going to bed having a good night's sleep, knowing I didn't spend time with my father, or going to bed late, but knowing that I've got, I've now have an element of, re, of revelation that I didn't have before. Why? Because I stayed the extra hour in prayer. 
I spent the... It's small suffering. We're not asking you to go and, and do a 40-day fast or anything. We're, but, we're, but we have to be willing that when God speaks to us and gives us... Gives a, gives you get a prophecy or you get a word or you see what God is... where he's taking the house. If you wanna be, we want to be truly a part of this, we have to be willing to put our bodies on the line. No one's asking you to be stoned. No one's saying you're going to have your head cut off. No one's saying, you know... Because there are Christians in other nations of the world that are, that are going through that. And we struggle with coming to church a couple of times a week sometimes. We've got to get real if we want to be people who say that in everything we do and everything that we say, we are doing it to glorify him. Okay, next scripture, 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4. And this is just a continuation. It says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing in detestable idolatry. They are surrounded, they are, and it says, here you go, it says this. They, meaning whoever is in the world doing these things, they are surprised you do not join them. And in, in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. One of the things that we've been talking about is, yes, our lives must speak. Our lives must speak. Okay? So there's a hope that the, the mere fact that this scripture says, they are surprised that you do not join them. So therefore, people have noticed that you don't do certain things. And sometimes that's okay. But there's sometimes when simply, I'm sure all of us can be at a point, and I'm not encouraging everyone to suddenly become some big, like, argumentative, judging person. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is sometimes we allow lots of things to go by and we say nothing about it. We see things that go on in our lives and go on in other people's lives, in the environments we are, and we say nothing. Now, there's, there's a, there will come a point that by simply not joining in, yeah, abuse will come. People will begin, if you, be, if you refuse to please the world, oh, come out and have a few more drinks with us. No. You will get abuse. There's going to come a point where when you refuse to go a certain way, those people will feel like you're judging them just by not joining them. Okay? And we're going to go on to how our lives should speak. But there comes a point when we can no longer just simply walk away. Why? Because in the following scripture, which is 1 Peter 4, 5 and 6, it says, But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. If you say nothing and never say why you don't partake in those things, how are they ever going to come into the same realisation that you do? The gospel must be preached in different forms. And I want to show it through the Old Testament in a moment, that it's do it, do, by doing the right thing will, will, will get us so far. It will get us so far. But guys, and some of us are quite, some of us in this room aren't quite good at doing the right thing. 
we're always tripping up over our flesh. Okay, let's just, let's just put it out there. I might be making an assumption, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. But then other of you haven't got that issue. But the issue you've got is you don't like using your mouth. Because I can quietly not do something, but actually if I never bring the truth as to why I don't do something, but why I actually do the opposite, then how are we ever going to bring the context of Christ into people's lives? Because what can happen is we just become the nice Christian in the office. But nobody knows. And you know what? Most people I found in my workplace, they're quite happy to know that you're a Christian. It doesn't bother them. It's easy. Oh, you're a Christian, you go to church. Well, you're probably quite a nice person then. So you're probably maybe trustworthy. Maybe you're, you know, you probably don't get involved in those sorts of things. And maybe you have a small impact. Like in my office, people swear less when they know I'm around. Little things like that. People know that I'm pretty trustworthy. I'm not going to steal anything. People know I'm, 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 I'm always kind and I'm happy. But that gets me so far. So people might like me. But are they any closer to Christ? No. So if we want to impact our environment, at some point we have to open our mouth. And that which we say, and that which we, that which we say, then brings a whole opening to that which we do. Because many of us, what we do is hidden. Because you know what? There's other people that are not Christians that are also nice. That also live nice lives. And we have to become a difference. If we just, so many, so many Christians out there are beautiful people. But nothing ever comes of it for the benefit of those who are lost. The environment has never truly changed because they're just one person that's nice. And people like you in the office. People like you in your environment. It's good. They like you around. The branch I left, they want me back. They want me back. And I said no because I'm, I'm, that's my old territory. This is my new. And they have an element of why they want me back. But they still don't fully know why I'm back, why they want me back, apart from things got a lot worse after I left. And that's not saying I'm good, but it's because the presence of God went with me. I wasn't the reason why it was great. God was the reason why things happened. And now the but but I have to ask myself, what but did I speak enough to make it plain to them why there is something about me? Now, turn with me if you would to 1 Samuel. This is where I have to flip to the other part of the Does this making sense so far? Okay, good. When God gives you something, he doesn't always tell you how to say it. Well, he does and he doesn't. And you just got to think, oh, we'll, we'll just go with it. Right, okay. This is where I only wrote the references down, so I haven't wrote the scripture down, so I'm going to be reading <laughs> Okay. We're going to look at King David. But we're not going to look at King David, we're just going to look at David. Because he wasn't king when this happened, okay? We're going to look at 1 Samuel 16. And some of the, some of the boys, a couple of the boys will know what I'm talking about because I, I spoke some of this last week. Um, but, I've, but I love it when God shows you something you've never seen before. It's the best thing about the living word because it always helps you see something you didn't know before. And I want to show you that just... Just by serving, that's only part one. If we go back to the first scripture, don't go back to it, I'll just, I'll just lay. The first scripture, it says, 
whatever gift, whatever you should, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, so there's the speaking and then there's the doing. Amen. Yeah, we're clear on that. Yeah, we need both parts. So one Samuel. 16, I'm going to go 7 to 11. I'm going to go for most of 1 Samuel 16 at first. And it's the story, the context is of, is when um, Saul had fallen, as it were. God had, had, had left, the Spirit of God had left Saul because he was a dipstick. And he didn't carry the heart of Christ. I could go into that and I won't because we haven't got time to do it. But when you look at the reasons why, you look at the qualities of David and then you look at the qualities of Saul, you see why God was with one and left the other. Amen? And so, this is where Samuel had been told, I'm going to go and appoint a king. And so in verse 7 it says, "But But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider... His appearance, right. So, what this is, is this is where he'd been. Jesse brought all his sons. Well, most of his sons. And he brought his first three eldest before Samuel, okay? So, but the Lord said to him, so he just, he just, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But Samuel said, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things of man looks at, but man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this one scripture, everything God is looking at is nothing to do with our outside appearance. It doesn't matter how many nice things you do, it's not the outside appearance that God is looking at, it's what the content of your heart is. It's the motive, it's the is, is Christ is the heart of Christ inside everything you're doing. Amen? Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said, since Shema passed by. But Samuel said, nope, not him either. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you've got? And he says, well... There is the youngest, but he is tending the sheep. And this is what God showed me um, in regards to David. Serving takes certain qualities. To properly serve takes certain qualities. Honor, and we've been going through honor, respect, a good attitude. A servant heart, servanthood. We need, we need tolerance. We need humility. We need many, many of these things. And out of these things come the spiritual fruits. Would we agree with that? Out of the right qualities comes the right fruit. Yeah? And so with David, what was David doing? There was a party and he wasn't invited to it. There was a ceremony and he wasn't invited. Because in his body, he wasn't deemed worthy, he wasn't deemed to have had the skill and the talent, he wasn't deemed to have had everything he needed to be the big shot. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel in your environment, well, I haven't got those skills, 
I haven't got that talent. I haven't got that personality. I haven't got what everyone else is looking for. But God isn't looking for what everyone else is looking for. You need to know this morning, God is not looking for what everyone else is looking for. God is looking at your heart. And what was David doing? David was tending to his sheep. So what was David doing by that? He was serving his father. What was David showing? He was showing humility rather than going, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. No. David understood that if what was the family business, the flock, the sheep, that's how you made money, that's how you fed, that's how you bred, that's, that is what they did. So if someone's not watching it, if someone's not doing the things that no one likes, if someone's not suffering in their flesh to be there on his own in a field with a bunch of sheep, then nothing's going to get, then the family business and the whole family wealth could be put in danger. So there was humility. David was showing that he had a right attitude. David was showing he had the heart for his family. He, respect, he let his brothers go ahead of him. He let, even though he may have wanted to have been in that, in, that, in, in that sacrifice, we don't know, the Bible doesn't specifically say, but we know where he was and what he was doing. And David was serving. He was showing respect and honour to those who were older than him. He was showing, he was showing a servanthood and need that even though I'm not the one who's getting the credit, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm doing that which will demonstrate the heart of Christ. Even though I'm not centre stage, even though I'm not the one, the one who's being lined up to potentially be the new king of Israel. And in our in talking about he doesn't, we don't do things, those who are willing to suffer in their flesh don't please themselves. This is called not pleasing yourself. This is called being willing that I am part of something bigger than just me. This morning, you are part of something bigger than just you, but you have a role to play. And God has a a function and a purpose for your life. The Lord then, still the youngest, he said, and the story continues in verse 12. In verse 11, so, so we asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, he said, but he's just tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. God is saying to you this morning, I, I, he is standing waiting for you to arrive because he wants you. God is calling you to be part of the, all that he's doing. Some of us feel that we just sit on the sidelines because we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to give. But God is saying very differently. I'm not looking at what everyone else is looking at. You may be advanced in years. You may be, oh, I can't run around and do all those things. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You may be young and think, well, I haven't got the same experience and the same wisdom as everyone else. It doesn't matter. If we are willing to suffer in our flesh and serve one another and do the things that God is calling us to do, he, he stays saying, I'm going to make sure everyone stands because I want everybody involved. I want everybody here. Then the Lord, so he sent him and brought him and he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Now, I looked up the word ruddy, right? Glowing in health. There was something about his face that radiated. And I have a sense it wasn't the fact that he'd been in the sun all day. I believe the Bible makes a mention that there was something that glowed from David. When we have the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ as we do our daily 
insignificant things in, in the right way, there is a glow that comes in you through your life. There is a, there's something that shines out. Amen? And so then he says, rise and anoint him. He's the one. He only had to look at him. And there was something different. People, when you are willing to put your flesh on the line, to do whatever it is that you need to do, which might mean you're not getting the attention. It might mean you're not doing what you think you should be doing or what your position should be. But people will, when they see you, they will recognize Christ in you. They might not have language for it, but they will recognize it. Okay? Now, let's see how this works further on. 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So in verse 15, I won't go into, won't go into why Saul, the spirit departed him. It just did. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from the Lord is from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and he will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking. And the Lord is with him. Now, how would she have known that he played the harp? Maybe he was playing for his family. Maybe he was playing for the village. Maybe he was entertaining someone. Or maybe she just caught him practicing on his own. We don't know. But, I, but it'd be odd if, if he was in the middle of a field out beyond and she suddenly go, I'm going to take a walk and find a guy playing his harp. I don't know. Maybe they were musical sheep that David looked after. And they were a band. But I have a sense that it'll be because David would have used his skill in the same way he served his father and his family. It would have been something that he gave attention to, dedication to, but then he used it for the benefit of others. And so someone noticed and in one move, he went from a shepherd boy in a field into the chamber of the king. So our service, doing everything in the power and the grace that God gives us, can take you from one place straight to another. So it can get you in the right place. If we want to be people of influence then we have to have this heart of service. We have to show these qualities that shine. What does it say? He speaks well. That means he's not slanderous. He's not, he's not, he's not swearing. He's not backchatting. He's not meddling. He's a man who speaks with a pure heart. He's a man who speaks, or a boy, should I say, not a man. He's a boy who speaks and everything that comes out of him radiates. It glows. It's well. It's fruitful. He's a good guy to be around. And the stories go beyond so Saul goes, I'll have him then. I'll have him. Bring him in. But then this is what God was showing me that actually, so David came into Saul and he entered his service. Saul liked him very much. People will like you very much. I'm sure people already do like you very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, I want him to stay in my service. Great, brilliant. So now he's with the king. But whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. 
and the relief would come to Saul. Okay. But what I realized was it wasn't what David was saying that got him, that Saul liked him. It was what he was doing. He served a purpose. But here's the danger. You can serve a purpose for someone and they get all the benefit of you, but not Christ. It makes no... Saul was soothed by the evil spirit. But it didn't change his life towards God. It just helped his ailment. And we, if we use our life and we don't have the mind and the will of Christ, and the thoughts and the purpose of Christ in everything we do, we spend all our lives suffering and serving, but for what end? So we can be nice, but how does it, but what does it benefit them when the day of judgment comes? We've not enabled anyone else to see this is Christ. Why? Because you have to open your mouth. And I want, and I want to show you how. So in chapter 17. And this is what I, what I saw. In chapter 17, 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the, this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David was no, wasn't in the service of, of Saul at this time because the war was on. So David went back to tend his sheep with his dad. And then he, we don't know what the time frame is, but he again came back just to, just to give his brother some food. Saw what was going on and his heart was enraged. Why? Because he saw something that was against that which he knew was true. That someone was coming against the spirit of God. Something was, was it the, something of the world and its desires and the evil desires was coming against the God that he served and that he loved. And so he he refused to let it pass by. He could have gone in, served his brothers, brought the cheese, brought the bread, done what he did, and then gone back home again. But he chose not to. He refused not to. Something within him wouldn't let it rest. So he had to do something. So David kept speaking. And his brothers tried to shut him down. So he just went to someone else. What What will happen? What will happen? Until in, in verse 31 of Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, it says, What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and will fight him. So a language that was not common in the entire army of, 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 of the king And suddenly one boy speaks in a way that no one else ever had. For days and days, Goliath came out and taunted Israel. And no one in the thousands upon thousands of men that all professed to serve had the guts to speak. But David, carrying the thoughts, attitudes of Christ. Obviously it it was God, but in us it's Christ refused to allow this to go by and had confidence and faith to go out and do something about it. And so this is when Saul recognises there is something different about David. He might have liked him before because he was a skilled player, because he could do these things. But in the serving, 
David speaks about how, and this is where I saw it again, he went and fought the bear and the lion. Did he not? Why did he fight the bear and the lion? Did he just like having a scrap? He was protecting the sheep. So when one tried to come and get one of my own, I went and defended and put my body on the line, potentially suffering fatal wounds to protect that which I knew was right. That's suffering. Willing to suffer. Willing to put his body on the line in order to protect that which he knew was right. We have to be willing to go after the one. God has been speaking to me and, and all different things have started to come. Pastor Tony spoke um, in one of the early morning prayer meetings from Nehemiah. And he said, Nehemiah went to the disgraced and those that were in trouble. We have to be, be willing to go to those who are disgraced and in trouble. That, might, that, that means God's been, God's been speaking to me this week. I've got to go and start talking to homeless people. And, I keep, and, I, and when I see them, I go, oh, they smell. They look really, they look really grumpy. Well, wouldn't you be? You just slept on a stone, on stone flag for all night. But I've got, to, I've got to get over my flesh. I've got to go beyond that. I might get abused for doing it. And they might reject me. They might, they might try and attack me. I don't know what they're going to do. But I've got to be willing to go for them. What about those who are drunk? I was talking to a man in my job. One thing I love about my job is I get to talk to so many different people. And there was a man, he came in steaming drunk, absolutely off his face. And he smelled and he looked miserable. And every, you know when you can see everyone's going, they have that look of disdain for someone. And so easily we judge on that flesh level. But then when I was talking to him, because I always try to talk to him in the best way I could, what I found out was what led him to alcohol was he split up from his partner and she took his kids away. So actually, he was a man with a broken heart. Absolutely floored me. Because this guy that looked a mess was a mess because he was a man with a broken heart. Because everything in his life had been taken away from him. Who's going to go and help that man and be restored? Who's going to bring hope back to that man? Someone has to be willing to go. Someone has to be willing to take the very words of Christ, to sit with them as a start, to talk to them as a start, buy them a meal as a start, help them out as a start. But who's going to breathe the word of life into his life? Because just by helping them might get him to a certain degree, but it doesn't get him any closer to the kingdom of heaven. He'll still be judged in the same way in his flesh as everyone else is. But if he has not known the life of, G of Christ, then he goes the same way as if we'd not touched him at all. So it's great that we want to go and serve and we must go and start to do something. But Saul recognised in David when he started to speak that there was something about this boy. And that's why Saul put the entire destiny of his nation in the hands of a boy. Because what, was, what happens if he had lost? They would have become the subjects of the Philistines, the whole nation. That took guts. But you don't put your faith in someone unless you see something that you've not seen before. God is looking for, to, for us to be, that, to, to be that that no one has heard and seen before. 
We must go out and do something. But there are churches all over this place doing wonderful works. But when they don't open their mouth, all they are is good deeds. But we have to have the Spirit of Christ to speak those words of life into people or we, or we labor in vain. But it, takes, but it takes us to suffer in the first place to get to that point. If we're not willing to suffer, if we're not willing to be rejected, if we're not willing to receive a bit of abuse, we'll never go out in the first place. And God is calling us to come out, to come and do something. But it was Pastor Tony said, God, he, he, he tells the story a lot. When, God, when he was saying to God, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? And God says, it's the wrong question. What kind of man do I want on the street? It's not just the going and doing. We must go and do, and we will go and do. But, if, but it's what we say. It's the very words of God. Speak as if you are speaking the very words of God. The Holy Spirit will give us the very words of God. But our lives are the door to get into people's lives, but then we must then speak that which God has given us. Otherwise, all that effort is for nothing. And this scripture, at the end, we go back to, um, and I'll finish on this. This scripture in 1 Peter. It says, in 1 Peter 4.12, and listen on this I will finish. You know, when we talk about David and Saul, did David suffer at the hands of Saul when he, when he started to do his great exploits? Did Saul make him suffer? Did Saul try and kill him? But did David change? Did he try and please Saul? Did he try and change and go out to the world's ways and, 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 and go under? No. Because something in him knew there was a course. There was a way he had to go. There's a way, even if it meant suffering. Even if it meant, and, and guys, some of us will be made to feel like we're suffering in our flesh. But are we still willing to go anyway? Because it says here, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. It is strange. If you try and help someone and they reject you, how weird is that? But do we give up at the first attempt? But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, that man that I met that was drunk, who knows how many hours I might have to put into his life. And I might be willing to be let down. I might be willing to be... I remember a lady called Rana May um, years ago. She used to let these people into her house and they'd rob her blind. But then they'd come back and they'd realise... And because, even every, because every time they, they brought an insult, she responded with love. Again and again, she served, she gave, she gave. And eventually, something clicked and the word of life that she spoke to them hit them and their lives were transformed forever. And that's the glory that we must always be seeking. That is people's lives we're fighting for. That's what the kingdom is about, people's lives. To bring them, to change them. So that we must, as we participate in these sufferings, so that you may be overjoyed when the glory is revealed. We are not going to have to suffer anything Christ hasn't already suffered for us. Take heart, Jesus already suffered for you. 
to give you the strength. Do whatever you go and do whatever you do with the strength that God gives you. If God has given you strength, you can go into any environment, no matter how hostile, no matter how bleak, and you will be able to triumph in that environment. So that you may be able to. If you are insulted because of the name of Jesus Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rests on you. Sometimes we have to be willing to know that just because someone rejects us and says, oh, Christianity is rubbish, it's a load of whatever, you're still blessed because you spoke Jesus' name. Because you represent who Christ is. The, the, you know, so many of the Pharisees rejected everything Christ did. He literally healed people in their sight and they still rejected him. But he was blessed because he did his father's work. We will be rejected, I guarantee you, because not everyone is going to listen to what we say. But you're blessed all the same because you are willing to speak. And you're willing to accurately represent Jesus Christ in every environment you went to. Amen? This has got to be our, if we can, can take this steel and we can take this attitude, there is nothing the enemy can do against you. Because no matter what he throws at you, you're still going to pursue love. You're still going to pursue the glory and rejoice on the other side that what Christ can do in someone's life. If you suffer, it should not be as murder or thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. If you're going to suffer, guys, let's not suffer because of our own stupidity. Let's not suffer because of our own flesh, because we desire what the world wants, because we want to please everyone, because we want to do what everyone else wants us to do. Let's suffer because we're suffering for a reason that's worth suffering for. Let's suffer because Christ is in our hearts and Christ crucified is what we want to preach. Now, preaching is not like this. It is the serving. That's the door. And how in its various forms, how you preach the gospel God gives us the different ways. We're not asking you all, because not everyone's a nutter like me and will get up on a stage and speak to anyone. It can be in the small conversations. It can be in the, those small moments that you do. God will use everything and anything you're willing to give him. You don't all have to be an evangelist in a typical evangelist way, but we have to be willing to go and speak when we have the opportunity to speak. On a one-on-one. In any, in, any, in any way. In any way. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. I am proud that I call myself a Christian. That I am a son of the living God. And that must be our badge. That must be what we carry with honour. And we carry with with, with, with a sense of pride. Not the wrong kind of pride. The pride that says, I'm so glad that I, I am a free man. A free woman. And that no one can, you know, it's like anything. You can have an opinion on something and someone goes, oh, that's rubbish, that. And you go, yeah, it is rubbish. So many times, isn't it? You know, you might think a dress is nice, ladies. And someone goes, oh, it looks rubbish on you. Suddenly, guess what? It's in the bin. Am I wrong? Someone says that you look rubbish in something. Do you want to wear it again? No. You smack them on. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs> but like anything, we've all got egos. We've all got, we've, we, all are able, we are all susceptible to be hurt. But if people then criticize the God we love, do we allow that then to mean we don't love him as much? 
We love him privately. We love him in here. But we don't love him out there. Because we become more ashamed in case people reject us. People rejected Christ first. But it says here in the end. For it is time. Oh, when I hear this. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It starts with us. It starts with us. Jesus was willing to live purely for the purpose of God. Everything he did, everything he said, he's willing to suffer. This body is simply a vessel. That we may see God be glorified through this vessel. That we may see other people's lives changed because of this vessel. Not that we are the changing of life. We're not changing the lives. It is the God in us that is changing the lives. We are nothing and we give ourselves as such. That our lives are not so important that I can't become, I, I don't want to suffer. I'm not going to put myself in a place where I'm uncomfortable because if we do that, then we don't carry the same attitude as Christ. We don't carry the same heart as Christ. But God says, whether we like it or not, there will be judgment. And God is looking at his household. God is first of all looking in here. Are there a people that will bear my name with honor and pride and will not be ashamed of me? Are people willing to humble themselves and serve others and do it diligently and do it well? No matter, even if it means they're not getting any honor and they're getting any recognition from everyone. That you're willing to honor those under you, not just above you. That you're willing to serve anyone that needs serving. That whatever God has given you, you are willing to use for his glory and for his name. And, And then when the opportunity rises... That you are filled with this desire to speak the truth into someone's life. Because you believe in your heart of hearts, which takes faith. That when I speak the word of truth in your life, it actually will do something. So many times we think, well, if I, if I, if I tell them, what, and it doesn't work. Has it worked in your life? So if it's worked in your life, why wouldn't it work in someone else's? And if someone who's more desperate than you needs it more than you did. You know, I can't say my life was desperate when I came to Christ. I was eight years old. I was inspired by, prime, by, by my RE lessons at primary school when I, was, when I was reading the stories of Jesus. And I would speak to my mum and dad and then they, they, would, they would tell me and something in me and, I was, and some random guy that I've never even heard of in some church just told me, said you can't live your life on the fence. So I went, okay dad, I don't want to live on the fence and I made a decision. Was my life a mess? No, I was in a loving home. But there are people who are in dire need. Are we willing to go? Are we willing not just to do anything but to do something and then bring the life of Christ in that environment? So come on, let's, let's stand together. It's a, it sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not. I understand. But what I want us to do this morning, I, want us to, I, want, I, th- I believe there's generally, potentially three, but two kinds of people predominantly in this house. And I really want us just to, to you have to decide this to yourself, and I really want us just to bring this to God. If this morning 
you say, you know what? I love God, but I'm rubbish at being disciplined in my flesh. I please the world. I try to please all the people. I try to fit into the world's ways. I, don't, I avoid suffering. I, I always choose the easy option. I don't let my life, I, I don't let Christ bring me into any environment that might make me uncomfortable. If that's you this morning, then let's then bring that to him. And ask God to give you the mind of Christ so that, you are, to, to, to that, that something changes inside of you that you're able to see beyond yourself. And that you're able, and that God can show you the way in which you can, you can bring your body into order. You can be willing to go beyond where you, the, the, the place called comfort, the place called safety. But maybe this morning you're someone who, you've got no issue with that. In your own heart you go, you know what God, I live by your, by, by your ways, I do it, I, 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 show, I, I show love and compassion and servitude to everyone that I see. However, I'm rubbish at opening my mouth. I just can't, I just get to that point and I know, I know God that's the time and I just back out every time because I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of what if I don't say it right. I'm afraid of what if it doesn't work. If that's you, come on, let's bring that to God this morning. Ask God to bring that faith and the words of the Holy, to trust the Holy Spirit to bring the words to you, to take a step of faith out, to say, you know what, when I get into that environment and I get into that place again, I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak honestly. I'm going to speak from my heart and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to refuse that person the opportunity to know Christ. I'm not going to refuse because that's what you're doing. See, they may, a lot of people we work with are in unintentional sin because if no one tells them it's wrong, how do they know it's wrong? I know young people that are in relations where they're having sex with each other and they're living together. But that's normal because that's what their parents did. And that's what all their friends do. So why, why are they doing anything wrong in their eyes? Well, no one's told them. No one's shown them a better way. But if you, don't, but if you know the way and you don't show them the way, who is more accountable, us or them? So let's, let's, why don't we deal with this now as a house together? So whatever it is that you are, or maybe you're none of it. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't live right. I don't talk right. I don't do any of it. This morning, let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let the Holy Spirit convict you so that just like Jesus Christ, he suffered in his body. Arm yourselves with the same attitude because he who suffers in his body is done with sin. And as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil desires, rather for the will of God. So come on, let's just raise our hands this morning. Father God, we commit ourselves to you. We commit these, these vessels to you, O oh God. Father, let this not be a house that you come and judge harshly because you see that we are unwilling to go. We are unwilling to serve. But Father God, begin right now to change our hearts. Bring faith, bring, bring the attitude of Christ into our, into our spirits. Fill us, O oh God, with a desire to go beyond ourselves. Father, fill us with the strength to serve. Fill us with the strength to speak the very words. Give us the very words, oh God, this morning. Give us the faith to speak the very words of God. Father, let us begin to not be afraid to go into, in, into those environments. Father, for we are no longer slaves to fear. Father, break fear off people. Break the fear of being uncomfortable. Break the fear of being safe. Break the, of not being safe. Break the fear of speaking out. Break the fear of, 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 of speaking against what is wrong. Father God, give us faith. 
Give us this faith to speak. Give us the strength to be disciplined in our flesh. For those who struggle with their flesh right now, come on, bring it, raise it to God. Say, Father God, I give you my flesh. I give you this vessel this morning. I've not given it to you in the way I should. I'm always, I'm, the, I'm too afraid to be uncomfortable. But God, right now this morning, I give you my body. I give you my body. If I have to be, if I have to suffer, then so be it. I will call myself blessed. For those of you who are struggling with your speech, Right now, may the words of Jesus Christ come into your heart right now. May the the Holy Spirit bring those words of faith, bring the words of truth and life into the spirits of all those, of everyone in this room. Father God, right now, come on church, just just, you bring it now right now. Just begin to raise it to Him. Give it to Him right now. Change our hearts, change our hearts, O God. Enlighten us, O God. Come right now, Holy Spirit, come down right now. Right now, rest on our lives, rest on our hearts. Rest on our hearts right now. Come on, let's let the Holy Spirit, as you're speaking to him, let the Holy Spirit, he's arresting you, he's filling you. Be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Be filled with the Holy Ghost afresh. Right now, like David was when Samuel laid his hands. Be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Be filled right now. A new, a fresh desire to go to the lost. A fresh desire to speak out. A fresh desire to stand up. A fresh desire to go. Oh, mighty God. Come on, let it begin to dwell in you. Let it begin to saturate into your heart. I can't go back. I can't stay as I am. I've got to change. For the sake of those who are lost. For the sake of those who are hurting. For the sake of the homeless. For the sake of the drunk. For the sake of the broken hearted. For the sake of the lost. Oh my God. Generations are at stake, not just the young generation, but all generations are at stake. Right now, I want you you to begin to prophesy. I want you to begin to prophesy. Say, Father God, out of the spirit you have given me, I declare we will see the lost come into this house. I declare we will see the, the brokenhearted restored. We will see the homeless find a home. We will see the orphan find a family. Come on, I want you to begin to, 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 to prophesy over yourself that through my actions, that through my words, the homeless will come in. The drunk will become sober. The lost will become found. The orphan will find a home. Come on, begin to declare it now that in this house we will see this. In this house... It will be filled, filled with those who once were broken and now are, and now are found. Oh, Rabbi Father God, we prophesy right now, this house will be a house that will welcome all peoples. This house will be a house that will serve the nations. This house will be a house that will serve the city, the drunk, the homeless, the needy, the poor, the lost. Those who are lost in wealth, those who are lost in the desires of this world, they'll come in. 
Oh, Father God, that in this house we prophesy, chains will be broken. Chains will be broken, oh God. Chains will be broken. The hold of the enemy will be gone. The hold of the enemy will be, will be set free. They'll be set free, oh God, in this house, because of this house. Because of what I have done and I will do in the grace you give me, in the power you give me, by your spirit, oh God. Come on, that's it. Oh, thank God. Right now. Right now. Father God, right now. Father, we consider it pure joy to call ourselves Christians. To call ourselves sons and daughters of the living God. Inspire us as we go out today. Inspire us. Let us see the world as you see the world. Let our purposes and our thoughts be as they are with Jesus. Align our hearts to that of Christ. And may, and may the world see you. And may in everything, in everything, may God, may you be glorified. That, if, that they should do this, so that in all things, God that you are praised through Jesus Christ. So right now as we depart your presence, we say to you be the glory and to you the power forever and ever. And our house said, Amen. Amen, Amen church.